This is MFG Out Loud. Courageous conversations about sales and marketing for today's manufacturers. With your hosts, Ray Zaganto and Allison DeFore. Hey, Trailblazers. Thank you and welcome to another episode of MFG Out Loud. Um, this is, I believe, episode 27. I've got to double check that. Um, but we're really excited to have someone really special today. Um, he went from intern to CEO and has turned a small company into a mighty force. And we're so excited to have Brent Hardman, CEO of Powell, joining us today. So welcome, Brent. Thanks for having me, Allison. I'm excited to be here and you know, look forward to our conversation today. Me too. Now, let me give you a quick intro. Oh, and by the way, uh, I am flying solo today. Ray is uh, out here in California, actually, working on a big consulting gig and is really sorry that he couldn't be with us today. So I I'm sorry, Brent, but it's, it's just you and me today. <laughs> we got the A team today. <laughs> I'll try to do it justice. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Um, okay, so everybody listening, you need to know some background on Powell because this is a really cool company. Um, they've been providing customized equipment for the chemical processing industry for more than 50 years. And they've developed a complete line of products for the production, dilution, handling of various chemicals, some of which I can't even pronounce, but things like chlorine, bleach, sodium, uh, hydroxide, methanol, all that really fun stuff that you love to handle without gloves. I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, but these guys are, are pros at it. And he, uh, Brent started at Powell uh, as an intern back in 19... I uh, started in 1991. Yeah. Yeah. 24 years. Started as an intern and back when there were a handful of employees and he has helped transform this business and worked his way up to CEO and then stepped on the gas some more. So that's what we're going to talk about today is his story and, you know, where he's taken the company risks and rewards. And I'm super excited for everybody to hear this. Um, Brent, I feel like your and Powell's story is a lot like David and Goliath, small, but mighty as hell. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, we, we certainly have positioned ourselves into, um, you know, being a leader in our industry, uh, specifically around sodium hypochlorite or bleach production and processing equipment. Um, we, we build in our technology, uh, we build skids and our technology is used in about, uh, all, well, it's used all over the world, but it's in here and locally in, in North America, about 80% of the hypochlorite the bleach that's made was made on our technology that's right here in St. Louis, that was made here in St. Louis, Michigan. So for all the you, all of the, you know, don't know, um, Michigan has the unique advantage of being able to, you know, kind of identify where we're at with our hand. So, you know, for the, we're here, we're right dead center in the middle of the state, uh, not to be confused with St. Louis, Missouri, um, with the big arch. So, uh, so yeah. And I have, I have a question for you. Um, so if I visit St. Louis, Michigan, do I go with the shark shack or do I go with Tony's? home of the giant steak sandwich or is there yeah that good very good question so the issue that you have though is tony's actually caught on fire two weeks ago oh. so 
The giant steak sandwich wouldn't be an option today, but it is big and it's great. Or you can get the BLT, which comes with a pound of bacon on it as well. So you'd have to go, you'd have to go with the shark shot is what you'd have to go with today. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I just wanted, you know, people listening, I think it's cool to, first of all, I never knew there was a St. Louis, Michigan, and I'm from Indiana originally. So it's, it's really cool for me to learn new things. And I think that's one of our favorite parts about having this podcast is that Ray and I, even though we've been around for 30 years in, in business and manufacturing, we learn so much every week from really cool people like you. And so it's, it's really one of the, I think the best things about, about doing this is learning. So I want listening to know a little bit more about your town and where they should grab some, some good grub. (laughs) So uh, we're super thrilled to have you on the show today. And I would like us to jump right in to another courageous conversation. So when business leadership transitions to the next generation, which you've been part of, even though it wasn't a family member, you were there long enough, I think, to be like family. Mm -hmm. The typical approach is evolution. And I feel like what you've done seems more like revolution. So I was curious to know, was it easy to get buy-in along the way as you were making these suggested changes or um, yeah, like your big ideas, was it hard to get buy-in and and what was that like? What opportunities and challenges have you faced? Yeah, it, it, that's, it, we were in a unique situation. Obviously uh, I have two other business partners um, and uh, yeah, it was a unique, a unique situation, but we did see it as a third generation taking over the business. Um, we, all three of us, for the most part, two of us for sure, this is the only place that we really knew. Um, kind of grew up in that intern and then up into the, grew up with the company and our other um, has, uh, our other business partner has 20 years experience here. So, um, so we did really see, see it and feel it as a third generation taking over. Um, you know, and, and really the, the funny story I always tell, tell about this is it's, it's like your dad handing you the keys to a brand new car, right? what's the first words that always come out of his mouth? Don't wreck it. Wreck. Don't wreck it. Right. We got it going. You know, it's, it's what we wanted to do. Don't wreck it. Um, but the, the, the issue with that is that our vision of where we wanted to be with the company was directly different from Dwayne Powell, who was uh, um, the, the, who we bought the company from and who built it up to what it was um, or is today is he, is, is definitely, it was definitely different. It's just, you know, different, no different than a son would see, you know, things different than his dad, right? Um, but the trick into it is how do you carry on the tradition of success that we've had and the stewardship that we kind of carry with his ideals, you know, and, and his vision of what he wanted to do. So, so a buy-in is a very slow transition, right? Because I, I had one particular, um, employee uh, just shortly after uh, we we took over uh, management of the com- uh, company and unfortunately that happened because Dwayne passed away um, but I had a one particular um, employee come up to me and says you know you've got some big shoes to fill and I'm like yeah you know and you kind of get a little bit nervous about that whole situation right um, but in that it just takes time and and there there's a big void that leaves um, regardless of the transition. There's always going to be a void and a vacuum and you've got to figure out a way 
Um, unless you've got a really good plan up front, you've got to figure out a way to fill that void in that vacuum. Unfortunately, we didn't have the time to plan necessarily for Dwayne being out of the business. So, um, so really where we started is, is kind of developing believable goals and plans that would, that was easy to discuss and easy to get buy-in in. Um, and we had to continually ask ourselves why um, all the time. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why are you going to do this? Why are we changing that? Why, 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 why? And not only having the conversation at the management level, but all the way down to, you know, the, the guys that work on the floor. And um, so, yeah, buy-in was difficult and it takes time to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I think to me, the biggest uh, not only was it a benefit, but the biggest challenge in all of that was coming up with reasonable, believable goals and plans of what you're going to do to change or how things are going to progress. Right. And so for people listening, would you recommend succession planning on the fly? Or would no, you- not at all. No, not even in a hurried instant if you can avoid it. Um, uh, I think it would be the best if you put things in place in well enough time. It's like doing your will, right? Right. Um, or any of that. Um, it's, it's putting that stuff in place because the unexpected will happen. Um, and it's better just a peace of mind to have that stuff in place as you can without having to rush and hurry at the back end side. So sure. Yeah. Well, so do you feel like the size of Powell, which is not large, right? You're like 40, yeah, 40 employees. Yeah. employees. Um, does this give you an advantage, do you think? And, and if so, how do you leverage that? Yeah, it, it, um, a couple things. It, it, it's a good question, by the way. Um, we, we can take advantage of it. Uh, and we take advantage of it in a couple different ways. It, for one, um, Dwayne always had, he had this saying back in the day, he always said that um, he didn't always make the right decision, but he made it fast, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the lesson learned was not to say that he didn't give it any thought in the making the decision, but to learn not to stop and wait, right? You needed to make a decision, especially when you're you know, in the position of CEO um, and people are looking to you to make decisions so they can move on and, and do what they need to do. Um, that, that's the lesson learned is not to stop and wait and ponder it forever. It's to, yeah, you're going to mess up. You're going to screw up. You're probably going to make some wrong decisions sometimes, but just accept that as part of the day to day and, and move on. You're, I think you can be, become more, more impacted in the wrong way by pausing to make a decision sometimes. And you can just be making the wrong decision, then correcting it. Um, so there are advantages, and, and so in that, you know, with kind of taking Dwayne's mantra that he had before that we always laugh about now, but in that, you know, we can take a structured idea and we can make a decision on that pretty quickly. Um, so we're, we're, you know, we're lean enough to do that. The challenge is, on the flip side, is having the resources to have that idea come to reality, right? Yeah. And, um, so because we're not a big company, we don't have lots of independent resources um, to do all the things that we always want to do. So we don't want to end up in this Rob Peter to pay Paul um, situation um, 
where we can't get anything done because we're doing too many things. So there's a couple different ways that we handle that and we maintain that to, to keep that under check. One is technology. I'm a huge, and we've always been a huge um, advocate of technology and ingraining it and embedding it into everything we do. Um, right. We wouldn't even in the, you know, the old days, we wouldn't even be able to have this sort of stuff. Right. I mean, at literally no cost, we can sit down and have a conversation, a face to face conversation like this when you're on the West coast and I'm in little St. Louis, Michigan, uh, three hour time zone apart. And we can have this conversation and not only can we have this conversation, we can record it and we can share it out to whoever wants to see it and, you know, and, and take that in and, and make it their own. So it, it, technology has just got to be brought It just got to be bred into everything. And we've done that forever. That's always something that we've done, not only with uh, the devices that we use and the technology we use day to day, but on in our processes and in, even in our products, um, we do those things. So huge advocate of uh, technology and incorporating those into every facet that you can um, to take advantage of that. <clears throat> well, and you're the one, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the one that suggested and brought in the EOS system, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so I got that through um, right shortly after um, uh, Dwayne passed away. I actually um, got involved with a, uh, a Vistage, a tech Vistage group here locally. And that is, that's made a whole bunch of difference for myself in growing and learning how to, to, to lead a company and do the things that I need to do. But in that, um, and so in that group is where I learned about EOS and, and, you know, that timing is everything in life, right? And, yes. and this came along for us at the exact right time when we needed it. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, when Dwayne was gone, there was a huge vacuum and the problem and inherent problem that we had was the team that Dwayne had built for the company that he wanted was not the team and the skill sets that we needed for the team, for the team that we needed for the company we want. Right. Two totally different things. And not only that, but there was a huge vacuum that still had to be filled with Dwayne left. So EOS came around at the exact right time for us in terms of being able to look in the mirror at ourselves and ask those hard questions as to, you know, who we want to be and why we want to be that and what are our goals, what are our aspirations, what do we want to do and having meeting after meeting after meeting and beating ideas to death, right? Um, to come up with it and, and help us figure out who it is who are we without Dwayne now? Mm -hmm. And the EOS system came around at the exact right time that we needed to help us answer that question. It's been all the difference. So it was a real identity transformation. It is. Um, not so even, not so much externally so much because our brand is very strong. It's inside. Yeah. Um, it's internal um, for, and that's always the hardest part, right? Regardless if it's internal to yourself or an organization, um, looking inward and making those uh, positive changes um, are always hard and always difficult to get through. Um, but if you stick with it, um, we've found that there's been uh, immeasurable benefit to it. Um, and it's made all the difference in us and our outlook and how 
instead of just feeling we had to measure up to what it was that Dwayne had set for us, we set our own goals to go beyond that. And that's made all the difference. Well, that's that uh, acceleration that I was talking about earlier when I introduced you that um, really caught my attention with your story and impressed me so much. And um, I guess my uh, quick question back to what we were talking about with Dwayne before we move on, do you feel like he gave you permission to fail? Yeah, I do. Um, actually, I, I know that he did in terms of conversations that I had with him towards the end. And, um, and he told I mean, he said, listen, you, you're gonna, you're gonna make wrong decisions, you know, and, and that's gonna happen. The, the, what really will make you successful is how you adapt to that, right? right. Um, everybody can break their arm patting themselves on the back when they make the right decisions, right? And all of a sudden you got to walk sideways through the door because your ego is so wide. Yeah. And, but it's really being able to accept those, um, those failures and turn those around and make those, you know, the biggest opportunities that you can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Dwayne and I had some conversations about that, even though we didn't have anything specific uh, about, you know, like this particular situation. Um, it was a, wor- a very needed and required uh, word of advice that, uh, and discussion that him and I had uh, before we had to say goodbye. So, oh, I love that. Well, and, and regarding, uh, just to back up one sec, what you were talking about a moment ago, when you redefined internally, like I always describe to my manufacturing clients, um, you know, marketing happens from the inside out. So do you feel like your internal shift or identity refresh, if you will, affected your external uh, marketing, if you will, your, which to me, it's everything. It's sales, it's marketing, it's the face of the company, it's your culture. And how have people responded to it? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, it certainly has changed our marketing and our sales aspect of the business without a question. Um, I mean, just even without that, losing Dwayne was a huge part of that too because, you know, one of the, one of the things I always told him, I said, you know, no, no disrespect, but it's always easier for you for one, he was six four, a big guy with a, you know a beard, and and he stood out in a crowd. Right, he was very remem- memorable. And not only that, but his last name was Powell. You know, <laughs> so that helps when you hand them a business card and your last name is Powell. That helps. Um, you know, so so then somebody you know for somebody like me that's trying to you know promote us and trying to be memorable and doing what we do. You know, when Dwayne's not there, that made it more difficult, right? Because everybody was looking for the guy that they had heard about, the six foot four guy that talks about bleach with a passion, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there there were some different avenues that we had to look at that, and and the other thing that we also realized is, um, even though you need a face of, of the company and an organization it can't be the only face and the only voice of the organization. Right. And that's what we had uh, to some extent before. Um, I, I, I was privileged enough to um, be able to work alongside Dwayne and a lot of things in, in, in public form. So he was trying to get me more involved as more of the face of the company. But 
Um, one thing I, you know, and I kind of talked about those challenges, but the, the, the big thing was, is when we took it forward, I didn't want to be the only face and voice of the company. We needed other people to be out there and, and to be recognizable as the, the face and voice of Powell. So in that, what we did is we kind of looked at the way we were marketing and the look, the way we were doing selling, where it wasn't always going to be, you know, Brent out there, the one in face to face in front of the clients doing selling. We needed other salespeople to be that person and to do that for us. And, uh, and so we changed that a little bit, which has helped out on the marketing aspect. Um, we've started to do, um, you know, things like this, where obviously this is my voice, but we've also started to incorporate, you know, videos. So like, you know, what you had a couple episodes ago with Darren Mitchell and the stuff that he's doing on Trout River, it's awesome, unbelievable. And I plagiarize him all the time. So Darren, I apologize for that. But I plagiarize him, man. I know I, I plagiarize him all the time and, and, and what he, not necessarily exactly, but what he, the things that he is doing in the video side and we're starting to get into that. So we're starting to put on video out on our, you know, new YouTube channel. We're starting to roll out a, a, a new um, website. Um, so we're really starting to try to brand ourselves more outside of just Dwayne and Powell, right? So that, that, that has definitely changed. Well, and that's in my mind because I'm a huge fan of salespeople because I believe that marketing is, is, exists um, not something that you do at people, but because of them and on behalf of them. And I feel like the, the main goal of it obviously is to support sales. So if you're doing that effectively, your salespeople are your brand ambassadors. They are the face of the company to whoever they're working with. So I think you brought up a really great point that I think uh, you fall into a trap when the owner is the face of the company or one person, let's say, because what happens, like you said, when, you know, if some tragedy strikes, um, you're, you're in a pinch. So yeah, yeah, I think that I I was really, I'm glad we touched on that because I think that was, is very interesting and important uh, part of your story. Now I was wondering, you have a remarkable global reach for a company your size, right? 40 countries. So how did you scale that? Was it just, you know, gradually over time or what was that like? Yeah, a little bit of, of that. I think it's a little bit organic um, in that, that uh, you know, you, as you, well, I'm just kind of, as we talked about, I mentioned before about, you know, having 80% of the hypochlorite in North America made on our technologies, that doesn't leave very many people left, right? Yeah. Um, so you've got to naturally, organically propagate out. Um, but the other side of that is, is most of that organic growth was through our bleach products our our hypochlorite processing and um, production products and our systems that we do. And the one thing that, that helps out is, is bleach is a seasonal, it's a seasonal commodity chemical. So when it's and it's mostly used when it's warm out, right? So, um, out there in California, they use a lot of it and, you know, especially in their swimming pools and for water uh, uh, treatment applications, 
and, and your laundry, right? People are doing more laundry. They're, they're, they're peeing in their pools more. And, uh, you know, you're doing all that more in the summer than you are in the winter. Yeah. Well, so that means more bleach demand is up in the winter or up in the summer and down in the winter. Well, in the Southern hemisphere, it's exactly the opposite of that, right? So what that allows us though, when we do that is, is not only through organic growth, but that allows us to go concentrate in, in those, in the off times in the Southern hemisphere and then come back to the Northern hemisphere when, you know, in, in the, in the winter time for us is when we concentrate on projects uh, for the Northern hemisphere and, our summer times when we concentrate on products, uh, you know, projects in the Southern hemisphere. So that helps out and balance things out so that we don't have everybody hitting all at once and having to add in a whole bunch of resources for a whole bunch of products or projects. And then it dying off to absolutely zero as we're waiting for the next swing to come. So that's helped maintain that, um, on that side of things. Um, you know, the, the industry that we're in also is well, even though we're, it's global, it's relatively small. Um, you know, I always joke around it's kissing cousins, right? So you always have an employee that might work here and now they'll work over here. And, 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 you know, and so being successful at projects at one location, um, in this sort of industry is paramount and supporting and, and making not just successful for Powell, but making even more so making it successful for our clients is absolutely paramount because if they're successful, word of mouth advertising in this little niche business that we're in uh, for that product line is, is, is all the difference. And especially back in the day before the internet um, and, and what we can be doing on, on that side and these sort of things. Um, and then, you know, the other thing um, that we've done a very good job with um, is our uh, search engine optimization on our website. We get a ton of leads worldwide through our website all the time, all the time. I mean, we probably get um, on an average 30 to 40 decent leads a month, roughly. And for a business of only 40 you know, employees worldwide, I, I feel that that's probably pretty, pretty good. Um, and a lot of that's based on um, the support staff that we have here that does a great job with that and is always challenging the keywords and the, the search engine optimization and checking that out. And that's led us to be very well up to this point. And we continue, are going to continue to push that um, through, you know, other marketing channels that you guys have talked about on, on here, you know, digital marketing and, and those sort of things that we're going to continue to push as we, as we move forward. So. Well, and the important part there is, and I think this goes along with the way that you run your business, it's, it, it's about creating a connected system, right? It all has to work together. And I, I always liken it to uh, the Hoberman sphere. So I've literally taken this to clients' offices before, before we start working together, and they probably think we're crazy. Like, why did you bring a toy? Yeah. But it's really cool. So when you open it up, if you've got part of it that's missing and not connected, it's not uh, a whole sphere. And it also, think about it if it was rolling down a hill, you're not going to get as much momentum. Correct. Yeah. And, and you risk, um, they're like those missed opportunities when you have those dormant spots. So I'm, again, I think it's, um, 
good that you brought that up. And, you know, all, for me, all roads lead back to marketing. So I apologize. That's just no, that's, all right. how that's my- a great, that's a great analogy. I'm going to plagiarize that too. So I'm not just stealing from Darren now. I'm stealing from you as well. So I love, it. I love it. It's a compliment. Yeah. So, last question before we wrap up. I feel like in the brief time that I've known you, known of you, you are a prolific problem solver. And I wondered if you could tell everyone listening about some risks. It could just be one, but a risk that you took that panned out big time or maybe that flopped, but you learned a great deal from it. I think our audience would love to hear about that. That's a great question. So you're talking about risk. So you mean other than buying a business with two partners, you know, having no previous business ownership and then knowing that we've got to change the culture that, I mean, is that the kind of risk that you're talking about? Like that stuff? Yeah. Just tiny. Uh, like that. Other, other than, uh, yeah. Other than, okay. I know I would say the, you know, the biggest risk that, um, that's a great question. The biggest risk that we have taken, um, on since we've kind of taken over the business, um, I'd have to say it's, it's the EOS process and that internal looking side of things. Um, you know, challenging every aspect of not only our people, but our processes um, and our products, um, you know, looking in that mirror and, you know, literally finding out those things and those issues that you need to figure, you know, to, to solve and take care of to make you better so they're not there the next day. Um, and and that, that in itself has been risky because, you know, we had... Um, we were given, um, you know, quite frankly, a very successful business that anybody, anybody that um, would be honored to, to have and, and to be given. And, you know, again, that, that gives you, that's like kind of back to that analogy of dad's brand new car, right? It's brand new. It's nothing wrong with it. Just here you go. Just don't wreck it. Don't wreck it. And, but the, the thought that we went after with that and, and our EOS evaluations and what we're doing is not only, we're not going to, we didn't want to wreck it, but we wanted to bring it back better than what it was than we took it, right? We wanted to be bigger and better. So, you know, we washed the car and we, we cleaned out the inside. We filled it up with a tank of gas. You know, and we did all those extra little things that needed to be done. Um, and that those are the sign, kind of the, some of the housekeeping things that, for, you know, metaphorically that we're kind of doing now to, to help us with that new goals that we are setting for ourselves to go beyond what just maybe even Dwayne thought it would be. So, um, so I'd say in that, I mean, I think the jury's still out, whether we, if, hand out, you know, for us or, um, or not, but, you know, we feel, um, the strides that we've made, um, over the last two years have been, uh, ginormous, um, from where we were, um, um, previously. So, um, we, we feel great about the direction that we're going. Um, you know, business is good for us. Our people are starting to get involved and, um, you know, they, they, they like their, you know, they're liking their jobs. We rearranged some people in some different seats into their strengths, brought in some new people that we needed to. Um, so we're just 
so excited about what this could be and what this is going to turn out to. And, you know, the, the funny thing was, is kind of going back to your first question about, you know, is it, you know, it's typically an evolution or, uh, or, you know, seems more like a revolution. I, when we first took over um, the business, I, I, you know, I always heard people talking about your journey. And that really never initially made any sense to me. I was like, what the hell is that? I didn't mean, but I've really, over the last two years, it, it has become crystal clear to me as to what that means and what that is. And, you know, it's not just, you know, what was the gross profit on this project and how much sales did we bring in this day? Um, you know, and evolution to me would just be, you know, sometimes just growing that, you know, it's, it's actually the journey of, of us changing and, and being, becoming what we need to become, not only for the market that we're in, but also the people of who we are. Um, and that's been huge for us and that side of things and growing in that way. So um, I'm very proud of my team here. Um, they have bent over backwards and done triple Lindy uh, back somersaults for us. And they continue to do so. And then they've been a great bunch that we look forward to continuing our journey with them. So, Well, and based on what you just said, it made me think of, because <clears throat> I'll say this jokingly to some people um, that I look up to once in a while, and I'll say, gosh, I want to be you when I grow up. And, you know, and I'm 52. So they kind of yeah. they look at me like, um, aren't you already grown up? Yeah, I like that. And I think that that's what I thought of when you were talking, like, I think it's not about the destination because if it was, it's like, when I grow up, I want to be X and then I'll be done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're never, you're never, I always feel like I'm always growing up and that's the journey part. That's, it's the best part really. Yeah. I have a, um, uh, another business owner that, uh, his name's, Bill Sponsler that um, he owns a business in Jackson, Michigan. He's a pre- sorry, he's a president of a business in Jackson, Michigan called Orbit Foreman. Um, him and I have got to know each other over the last few years, and it's definitely somebody I look up to. And that you know, like I, I like the what you said. You know, when I grow up someday, I'd like to be you know as great as he is at this. And I, so, but he always had a saying that, uh, or he has a saying that I stole from him. Another plagiarism for me too. He's you know, he, he has a saying. He says go slow to go fast. Yeah. Right. And that's your kind of your inertia that you you kind of mentioned earlier. Right. So we were in the going slow phase to kind of build up our inertia so that we just don't plateau and we can keep on, you know, accelerating and keep going. And um, so we all, I, I do tell our, our, our internal um, employees this all the time is, you know, they get, you know, some are just major taskmasters and they just want to cross things off the list and get it done and get it off their plate. But you got to get it. And I don't, I don't disagree. You got to get it done, but you got to get it done to what it needs to be for the quality of the work, but also for the lessons learned that are in there for getting it done. Right. Yep. And beating it to death. And so we use that a lot is go slow to go fast. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that that helps, you know, I think it helps support your inertia um, comment earlier, but uh, I think it helped build that whole, the whole part of it, the buy-in part of it um, that helps with your, your, you know, when you look externally as to how you're marketing yourself and how you're selling yourself, um, that helps when you're looking internally 
is that go slow to go fast kind of, you know, ideal um, a, a part of it. So, so I fully credit Phil for, for that saying. And, and I, as I said, I plagiarize it all the time. So it, it's a great one. Well, and I'll credit Steve Chandler, who's a mentor of mine, and he says it this way, let's slow down before we speed up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, yeah, I, I love that. And I think it's so true. And I've I had one quick question too, as we, as we wrap up regarding that internal change and that revolution that you caused, provoked, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times clients that, that, that uh, Ray and I work with, it's really hard to slow down and look inside. To really take a hard look at yourself because that's a lot of the work that we do when we, you know, help somebody rebrand or uh, create a new strategy. It always starts with a look inside. And I know that's hard. It's hard as a person to do that because then you might have to admit some faults or, wow, you know, maybe I need to take a look at this and make some changes. And it's, so I, I was curious, did you have a lot of encounter a lot of resistance either internally or with your partners when it came to adopting these new ideas and executing on them? Absolutely. 100%. If you didn't, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, all the time. Um, knock down, drag out argument, yelling, you know, throwing <laughs> things, whatever you needed to do. Um, and you know, we're all, in one way or another, we're all dragging each other, kicking and screaming, right? It's not just one person. It's not just me. You know, I kick and scream about some things, and then I've got other people that kick and scream about others, but we're all dragging each other forward, kicking and screaming about some of this stuff, but we're moving forward, right? And after we get done with that, and we get done with the kicking and screaming, and, you can, and we can all rationalize the ideas and the thoughts, and we beat it to death, then we have positive work forward, right? And then you can start, start, you know, then that's just a little bit more inertia going forward and what else you can do. But yeah, I would say if you didn't have that conflict and um, respectful conflict internally and the um, self-awareness to, you know, understand that you've got faults and everybody else has faults and, not holding that against them, but trying to work together to work through those, either, either even at yourself or the others. Um, that's the important part of it. And, um, you know, the, the, the goal is the end result uh, and trying to get there is the path of least resistance. Right. And, right. and not everybody agrees to if it's a left or right turn or if you need to fix that or fix this. Um, but, you know, you've got to have those open and honest conversations. And, I, and I'll say that's one thing with our team um, that we've got a lot closer because of it too. Um, you know, we were, you know, a lot better at dealing with each other as people than just as the CEO, the COO, the CFO, or, you know, and our director or chief revenue officer, you know, just, um, and so that, that's been a definitely positive. So. Yeah. That's fantastic. Gosh, I'm pretty sure we could have a couple episodes with you. Um, I I just thank you so much for taking your time to spend time with me and to share with our audience and uh, just really to, um, I think, take this journey 
and uh, and not be afraid to take risks and buy a company. And even though you didn't know exactly what to do, and I applaud you for that. And um, so thank you so much for being here. I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. And, and to be honest with you, I, I love what you and Ray are doing and putting together. Um, you know, the, the content that you guys have here on your podcast, um, they validate a lot of the things that we're trying to do and trying to implement. And um, I think it's such great source of information that you guys have started to pull together here that uh, I'm glad that we finally were able to cross paths and this worked out and get to, to know you and Ray a little better and um, see, you know, more frequently what it is that you guys are doing. So this is great. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And on that note, thank you for the segue. For those of you who are listening, if you have not yet subscribed, please do so. You can go to mfgoutloud.com. And if you find value in this podcast and you would care to leave a five-star review on Apple, much appreciated. And tell a colleague or a friend because sharing is caring and we want to grow this tribe of manufacturing trailblazers and keep having these courageous conversations. So thank you so much for being with us, for taking your time to listen. And uh, everybody, keep manufacturing out loud because we need you. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to MFG Out Loud with Ray Zaganto and Allison DeFore. You can subscribe and find show notes at mfgoutloud.com.